We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Welcome to the putback on SNY.TV. I'm SNY's NBA insider, Ian Begley, and we're going to talk Knicks mostly for the next half hour, we'll get into the playoffs. We'll get into the rest of the league. But I got two great guests with me this afternoon. I got CP, the franchise. You know him. You know him well. He's got his own channel, Knicks Fan TV. I'm sure you're there after games. If you're not, definitely go check it out. And we got Julito McCollum, obviously mostly known from The Wire fame. Uh, if you haven't seen The Wire, you have to. What are you doing with your life? You have to check that out. But in Nick's spaces, he also hosts a daily chat called Nick's – I'm sorry, not daily, just after games. Nick's Chatter the day after, so that's on the Nick's spaces, and you got to go check that out. And, guys, let's get right into it because last night, Nick's lose for the third straight game. That five seed right now is in peril. Like, they were sitting comfortably in five for a while now, and they lose three games. They lose to a Minnesota team without – Anthony Edwards without Carl Towns. They lose to Miami, understandable. They lose to Orlando, young team, talented team. But if you're a serious playoff team, you should win that game. So things are not great from a win-loss perspective. And then you also saw Julius Randle lose his composure uh, at the half, right? He goes, he, he wants to talk to Leon Wood, referee. Uh, he's upset about a call. He's animated. And then Manuel quickly goes over tries to get in the way, tries to intervene, uh, and then Julius Randle gets into it with quickly a little bit. So my take on this, right, like I, it doesn't matter, right? It, this happens in pro sports. This happens in college sports. This happens in high school sports. It's part of competition. So in a vacuum, it doesn't matter at all. Where it matters from a team perspective, in my mind at least, is – if Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly have some tension after this thing, I don't think they will because this happened also with Julius Randle and Evan Fournier. And I was told that after things cooled down after a while, Randle went over uh, and apologized to Fournier. 
and you know they were fine. So this is just what happens in a competitive environment. But the other thing I think that could impact the Knicks is you don't want technicals in a bad time in a game, in a, in a high-pressure game, and you want Julius Randle to be able to be in the moment, not pick up a technical foul, and to be locked in like he has been most of the year. So I don't see the, the quickly Randle thing as a big issue, um, but just there are overarching issues that are worth discussing. CP, where are you on it? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't see the friction specifically among teammates as an issue, right? We see it all the time. It's all part of pro sports. There's a lot of pressure to win. These guys are professional athletes. We've seen things get physical in Golden State with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. They've been able to get past that. The infamous Michael Jordan uh, punching Steve Kerr. They won championships after that. It happens in sports. But the, the problem that I have is as the leader of the team, can you trust Julius Randle to deliver in a big spot? It's what I've always questioned about Julius Randle. It's never been about talent. It's been about when the pressure is mounting, and it's only going to get bigger as they head towards the playoffs now. As the pressure begins to mount, can he deliver? Can he channel his frustrations, the, the pressure of the defense, of not getting calls? Can he channel that onto the court? and perform and help his team win games. When he picked up the technical foul against Miami Heat, the Knicks were already down by 10, trying to come back. He picks up a technical foul. Uh, they hit the technical free throw. Now they're up, Now the Heat are up 11. That, that sets you back as a team. And a lot of people want to say that, well, in the Orlando game, he seemed to have finished the game fine. The team was still fighting, so on and so forth. But what happens in the playoffs? What happens when the spotlight becomes more intensified? I just don't trust Julius Randle to deliver in a big spot. And I've taken a lot of heat on that. A couple, a couple months ago when I was on this show, Ian, and I said they should trade Randle. And a lot, of fans, a lot of fans got on me for that. But what they completely disregarded was I, had, I acknowledged that he's a great player. He's a talented player. It's never been about the talent with Julius Randle. It's been about can he deliver in a big spot. He's an Iron Man. He's a top performer, 57 points. I mean, look at the performance in that 57-point game. In that third quarter, he was so gassed because he put it all on the line. That's what you want from your player. But up here, when the pressure's mounting, I just don't know if he's going to be there to deliver. And it's been an issue that he's acknowledged. The organization has acknowledged it. I mean, Johnny for Johnny Bryant to go down to Dallas, and I'm sure there was basketball reasons to do that in the offseason. But for them to have that conversation about how Julius was acting last year and Johnny Bryan presenting the question saying that, is that the teammate that you would want to play with? And Julius having that self-awareness to say, no, the organization knows it's an issue. You see Mike Breen and Clyde talking about it. So it's it's an issue that that he needs to address so that he can help his team be better. To me, though, it's, it's not just him. I think it's an organizational responsibility to get Julius to whatever you, however you see him best performing, it's an organizational responsibility to get him there, whether it's Johnny Bryant, William Wesley, Leon Rose. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is the head coach, but, you know, Johnny Bryant got a lot of credit for getting Julius to this place in, after visiting the offseason. So you'd think that Johnny could help him get back and channel things in the right way. And look, uh, I want to hear what Julito says. I got one more thing to say, but Julito, you go first. Go ahead. No, I think you both are spot on, honestly. Um, for me, it's not even about the play on the court anymore. It's about the energy I believe he creates in the locker room and the message that he sends to the other guys on the team. You know, I think Julius has never been held accountable, not by his coaching staff, uh, not by the front office. 
and I, in my opinion, from from the from our eyes, from the viewers' eyes, it doesn't seem he's been held held accountable. Julius has had more meltdowns in the last two seasons than, and for me, Julito, for anyone I've seen in the NBA since Dennis Rodman. But guess what? Dennis Rodman helped the Bulls get three rings, <laughs> and Julius got us one playoff win, right? And then you have guys like Reggie Bullock and Theo Pinson doing interviews joking about how everybody had to play defense or Tibbs would bench you except Julius, which I just think it's, it's unacceptable. And, you know, for me last night, I think it was disrespectful to Emmanuel quickly, you know, and it was out of line, you know, especially when he has a history of this for two seasons. You know, quick has seemed to be the guy who's, who's jumped to the front line to stop Julius when he's having his meltdowns, Right. And for him to kind of buck up at Emmanuel quickly, when Emmanuel quickly's twenty-three-year-old kid, right? Julius Randle is supposed to be the vet of this team. He's one of the oldest guys on the team. For me, I think to see a twenty-three-year-old calming down a guy who's almost thirty, who's been in this league, who knows that these refs are going to miss some some moments. They're, they're not going to get it right. And granted, the entire NBA currently is talking about how the refs are, miss, are, are messing up. Got it. But right now, eight games away from the playoffs, in the famous words of CP, we don't need it. We don't need it, especially when we are starting to create chemistry and build the habits that are going to be necessary for this playoff run we're choosing to go on. And, you know, imagine how will he react when we're down five and the refs don't call a foul our way in the playoffs? You know, imagine yesterday was a game where we're still up 10 games. Uh, we're, till, we're still above 10 games and, you know, above 500. We're still on track to make the playoffs, whether it's, you know, the fifth seed and there's still chance for the fourth seed or playing. We're still on track. So imagine if that's how he reacted. I'm nervous to see how he reacts when it comes down to the playoffs. And I agree with you, CP. It's, he's not a, he's not reliable. And for me, he's he's, you know, he's done a lot of, He's had a lot of great quotes where he's saying he he needs to check in on himself. He had to get better. He has a, a guy that seems as there to support his mental health each each day before the game. He's done. A, he's put a lot of. Uh, he's had a lot of moments where he's put things in place to support his mental health. I need him to start having it show up when it matters. And for me, I, this is I'm a person who I've championed him all year. I've had people go at me saying, "Oh, you went at Julius last season, and now this season you're champion." I'm the I call what I see on the floor. This season, he's been great for us all season long. It's it's just the mental part that needs to get get right. And I, I I'm, I'm nervous, man. It's alarming, and I hope he I hope he shifts it over for us to make this playoff run. I'd say two things. One, you mentioned Dennis Rodman, Julio. And they won. The Bulls won. So everybody, like his antics and whatever you want to say, they were accepted because they won. If the Knicks win a playoff series, Julius Randle's in the middle of it, plays well. You know, no one's going to care about uh, a night in Orlando where they lost and he lost his cool at the half. Um, But you have to win for that stuff to not matter. And the other thing is Randle, he's an emotional player. Like he's acknowledged that. He's talked about it. If you take that away from him, I think maybe he's a different player. So you don't want to take it away from him. I think you just want him to channel it in those moments so it doesn't hurt your team from a technical foul perspective, from getting him in foul trouble and all that. So I think that's where that's where it sits for me. Again, the competitive nature of pro sports, this stuff happens all the time. I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but there's a bigger context here to where 
um, it's worth discussing. But also, in that Orlando game, R.J. Barrett, uh, he, he did not play well. He had a tough night, and particularly early in the fourth, he, you know, he, he didn't give the Knicks what they needed. I'm just wondering, as far as R.J. goes right now, C.P., him, playoffs, where do you see him in, in all this? He's a vital piece to the puzzle. A vital piece to the puzzle. Uh, you, you know Jalen's going to be Jalen. You, you hope Julius is going to be Julius. But if RJ could find some consistency there in his game, I think this team will, will stand a chance to be a tough out in the first round. He, and he's he's had some good stretches. I mean, if you look at how he played in the Miami game, 26 points, 8 of 13. Denver, 21 points, 8 of 13. Portland, 22 points, 8 of 13. Uh, the Lakers, 30 points, 12 of 27. RJ had some night had, had has a nice has had a nice efficient stretch, but last night wasn't one of them. And what Thibodeau has said this past week is with RJ is don't force it, don't overthink it, go to your strengths, play your A game, and that way you can make your team better. And for RJ, it's getting to the basket, drawing contact, but hopefully playmaking out of that. Don't always look to you know force shots over three guys into the paint because if, if two or three guys are on you, there's always a guy open on the perimeter. And that's where I like to see RJ take the next step is as a playmaker to make his teammates better, because that's when you're impacting the game. If your shots aren't falling, if your three pointers aren't falling is if you can make that extra assist, make that hockey assist to make your teammates better. And the other area when I, where I want to see RJ own is in that second quarter. And in the beginning of the fourth quarter, when he's running with that second unit, because with no Randall and no Brunson, that is R.J. Barrett's time to be that star, to run the show. That is his time. And so when he's out there with the second unit, with IQ, with Hart, with Obi, with Hartenstein, he's got to be better because you're playing against other second units for the most part. And so you've got to own that stretch so that, you know, you give Julius and Jalen much needed rest. And then when they come back in, they can do their thing. Because when the three of those guys are together, obviously Jalen and Julius are going to soak up most of the usage. So R.J. more becomes more of a supporting cast member but when he's out there in that second quarter in the top of the fourth that's his show it, it, so I want to see him own those minutes last night just wasn't a good one for him if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs twice a week JJ Redick is cooking on his podcast the old man and the three he has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy in addition to player interviews every Monday JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a time when Tom Thibodeau was here, he thought of RJ as his kind of Lil Dang type. Uh, obviously, Lil Dang had a great run in Chicago under Thibodeau. That was under different roster construction, but I just I wonder that the role seems to be defined at this point. So uh, yeah, I guess you want to see more consistency. Julito, who are you looking at? Who's under the microscope for you? Who do you want to see more from this Knicks team as they close out the regular season? Yeah, man. Um, I think you have to look at Tom Thibodeau during this three-game skid. We, you know, we have to look at Brunson's health and how many minutes he's been asked to play this year how after the first few bumps and bruises he had, he had moments where he could have sat down, right? We had some games where we had some gimme games where we could have had Jalen sit down, get some rest after the first few, you know, bumps he had. And then he's tweaked his ankle. Then he's tweaking his, now it's his hand. And I think, you know, asking these guys to play this amount of minutes, asking them to do everything out there, knowing that we have a playoff push that we're going to try to go for, right? We are trying to make some noise in the playoffs. Like RJ said, he's trying to shock the world. There were so many moments where I watched, you know, Julius Randle play 45 minutes and, you know, Obi Toppin play 8 to 10 minutes when we were up 20, right? Most of the game, up 15, up 10. I think Tom Thibodeau is going to have to do a better job at, at, at figuring out the rotations, especially in these last eight games to have these guys get some rest, like CP spoke about. Julius looked gassed out there, especially that 57-point night. Last night, I think he was gassed. I I think when these guys are gassed mentally, it starts to affect them, right? If you're – I don't know if if either of you have played basketball, but when you're tired, when you're exhausted, you don't make the best judgments mentally. And I think that's what we're seeing out there with Julius, with, you know, even with quickly out there at, at times. You know, there's guys who are playing so many minutes and it's coming in between, you know, them truly being able to be there and be mentally ready for the games. So I think Tibbs has to do a better job at that. Also, I would, you know, I love what I saw in Grimes in these last few games, and I would love for him to have, you know, be, be a bit more consistent when it comes to his shot, hitting that wide open three. That The wide open three is going to be there for him. Julius is a guy who attacks the rim. Jalen also attacks the rim. They do it at such a high rate and su- in such a, with such efficiency that that open shot is going to be there for Grimes. He has to knock it down. Obi has to knock it down when he comes in with that second unit and quickly has to continue doing what he's doing. But I think if the others get it are, are a bit more consistent and, and a bit more efficient, I think we're we're a hard out in the playoffs. You know, you've mentioned the minutes, Toledo. You know, one of the things that some people around the league uh, I hate saying that. Uh, three, four people around the league outside of the Knicks have said recently is with Tom Thibodeau's teams, they're always at a nine or a 10 
every night, in the reg- most nights in the regular season, where other NBA teams, there are nights when they're at a 9 or a 10, and there are nights when they're at, you know, a 6 or a 5 across the regular season. But then what you see in the playoffs is teams take it up a notch. So they have they have a level to get up for the playoffs energy-wise. Um, you know, they're, so they're not fatigued, but then you, can the Knicks match that? That was something that was discussed with the Atlanta series. I didn't see it as a huge issue then, but you're talking about the minutes. They've played a lot of minutes, especially since Thibodeau cut the rotation down to nine players, and this is when it counts, right? This is when it's if it's going to impact them, it's going to impact them now and in the postseason. So certainly something to keep an eye on because the standings are very bunched up. Uh, CP, Mitchell Robinson has been active on Knicks Fan TV's Instagram. He's been tweeting uh, after last night's game. What do you make of, of what you're seeing from him and what he's communicating? Yeah, shout out to the Blockness Monster, Mitchell Robinson, man. Clearly a, a young player, a, a young kid who's uh, expressing his emotions. Seems like he's, he's dealing with uh, some family issues off the court. He, he did mention on Instagram that uh, he had a young child on the way, and I'm not sure that, you know um, how much that's impacted his game, but he, he seems like it is impacting him. Um, he has done some subliminal things on Twitter, acknowledging that he wants a larger role in the offense. Uh, but as I said on, on in-studio and SMY, there's things that they can do now to help Mitchell Robinson, and there's things that Mitch can do to help himself. Number one, make do be better at the free throw line. Uh, number two, be a bit more accurate around the rim. His accuracy around the rim this year has taken a little bit of a dip, and so if he can clean those up, he'll get some points on the board. Yes, the Knicks guards can should look to find him a little bit more in the pick-and-roll game, use, utilizing him as a vertical lob threat. But part of that is Mitch being a better screener. We know that that hasn't been a strength of his. If you look at the leaders in, in screen assists in the league, it's a Sabonis, Steven Adams, Rudy Gobert. Those guys have the fundamentals. They know how to set solid screens. Uh, so Mitchell Robinson certainly has to work on that. But in terms of, of um, his role with the team, you know, Charlie Ward, former Nick, former floor general, had this to say uh, in a reply to one of Mitchell Robinson's posts on Knicks Fan TV. And he said... The E in balance stands for excel in your role, which leads to team success. He is doing that, meaning Mitch, and the team is succeeding, which is what we are all seeking in the end. Team success leads to more people being recognized as opposed to a few on a losing team. So for Mitch, we know his strength lies on the defensive side of things, getting the offensive rebounds, getting this team that doesn't shoot the ball quite efficiently, second chance opportunities to 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 capitalize in that regard. So for Mitch, it's the he needs to continue to be a star in that role. And one of the his last uh, posts on it on Knicks Fan TV's Instagram last night was that uh, he's got to get back to to being the team's defensive anchor and playing well on that side of the ball. So I think Mitch has acknowledged that as well. Julito Mitch re-signed a four-year deal in the offseason. Knicks obviously committed to him four years, um, sizable money. Do you think that he's the guy to man the middle for them over this contract? Honestly, right now, I would say yes, because I've seen him control and be there defensively for us and anchor that defense in that way. But honestly, I've been it's another alarming piece for me when it comes to the the social media antics and also the health. Right. He hasn't been as healthy as. I think the front office has would like, but if we're looking at the maturity aspect of it, for me, it's 
you got to we don't need this right now. Right. We're in a hunt for a playoff spot. We are trying to keep the vibes going. Stop killing the vibes, Mitch. If you want this team to band behind you, to, to, to even support you when it comes to what you want offensively, you can't be the guy who's making these comments on social media or liking these tweets. Right. He liked the tweet where it was saying if he went over to San Antonio, he would have been more of an offensive option. That doesn't that's not going to sit well with guys in the locker room who probably, you know, want you there, who cares for you to be there. They don't want to see you liking a tweet saying that you you, you know, basically wanted to go somewhere else or you would have had a better opportunity somewhere else. That's just not what we need right now. For right now, do I see him as the anchor at the center position for us for the next four years? Sure. Do I, can I think that do I think that will change if Come playoff time, he's not that defensive anchor that we wanted. Or, you know, we missed him in the Atlanta playoff series. So now this is his, going to be his first playoff series where it's going to show, can he really produce in the playoffs? If he can't, there's going to be some, you know, there's guys like Carl Anthony Towns that, you know, folks have been in the rumor mill when it comes to the Knicks. Joel Embiid, I think if Joel Embiid doesn't win this season, I think he's going to win out. Mitch has to be on his best behavior, and I think he needs to start now. Pivotal time for the Knicks. Obviously, you look at the standings, they're still in fifth. Doesn't look like they're getting up to fourth because Cleveland has put some distance between themselves and New York. But Miami, Brooklyn right there, one back in the loss column. Nets playing Miami on Saturday, and then the Knicks playing the Heat at the Garden Wednesday. So we'll find out a lot over the next five days about this five seed and and where it's going to go. Where do you think, CP, the Knicks match up with the Cavs at this point? <laughs> it's a tough matchup. This is a Cleveland Cavaliers team that are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Uh, number one ranked defensive uh, team in, in the league. You saw what Evan Mobley did against the Nets last night. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous performance. It's going to be a tough matchup, especially where you look at where some of the weaknesses in this Knicks defense are, which is at the point of attack. As Solito mentioned just a little while ago, the, the health of Jalen Brunson is going to be vital to this Knicks team because when the Cavaliers put out that lineup of a Garland and a Mitchell and maybe even a Levert as their top three on the perimeter, there's no way to hide Jalen Brunson. So the Knicks defense is going to be tested. R.J. Barrett is going to be tested because he's going to have to cover one of those guys. Uh, Quentin Grimes as well. And then when you have to look into the middle and you have to tangle with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, they're going to be able to take away one of the Knicks' biggest strengths, which is getting points in the paint. So I think it's a, it's a tough matchup. When I look at the bench, I give the Knicks the edge there. I think the Knicks bench is stronger with with Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart playing to their capabilities. Uh, but nevertheless, it's going to be a hard matchup. And so, you know, a lot of fans are saying, well, we'd rather play Cleveland over this team. No no team is going to be easy in the playoffs. When you get into the playoffs, you look at those top six teams. They're all good teams. They're all pretty good offenses, good defenses. And then you look at a superstar like a Donovan Mitchell and all-star like a Darius Garland, those guys that are excellent shot creators. It's a tough matchup for the Knicks. Julito, who are you more worried about as a Knicks fan, the Nets or the Heat creeping up on you? Oh, um, yeah, I think I think the Heat for sure is the biggest threat. And it's not close, honestly. I mean, if you look at when we played the Heat this week, when Jimmy Butler turns it on, he alone can will his team to win. You know, he still has a lot in the tank, and he competes like no other. And if he's on, the margin of error for this Knicks team is very small. I mean, he had 35 points, nine assists, four rebounds, and four steals. When he's playing like that, 
I mean, like, it's hard to beat that team. I don't think their record, you know, shows exactly who they are. I think they they have a lot. They're going to turn it on come playoff time. Uh, and then they have Bam Adebayo, who to me is honestly, he's one of my favorite centers in the league. He can do a bit of everything out there. He plays defense. He can score on the offensive end. They're going to be a tough matchup. And the Nets don't have either of those players on their team. And talent wins games. Um I call them the Newark Nets. Uh, they're no longer, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, born and raised. They, they, uh, they are not the Brooklyn Nets for me, in my opinion. They're, New Jersey Nets. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, let's see. Let's, I'm a, the Maplewood Nets. The Maplewood Nets. Um, yeah, they no longer put fear in the heart of Knicks, uh, Knicks, especially, like, we just have more talent than them. I love Mikel, uh, Mikel Bridges, honestly. I think he's amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, I'm not nervous about Cam Thomas. I'm not nervous about the, those guys over there. I'm nervous when it comes to Bam and Jimmy. So, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, but definitely, the Nets are not in in our in our eyesight anymore. They're no, they're no longer any competition, in my opinion. Got a fan question, guys, from Andrew Abraham. He says, "How do you see Julius Randle performing in the playoffs, better or worse than the Atlanta series?" CP, if you had to guess right now, yeah. where are you going? Well, I would hope better because these are two different teams, right? That 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 team that Julius took to the playoffs and he had an outstanding season. Uh, there weren't any many shot creators on that on that unit. You know, Reggie Bullock was a, was a stationary catch and shoot three guy who couldn't hit threes in the playoffs. RJ wasn't any good. Uh, Derrick Rose was coming off the bench. He was a part time shot creator, but now you're going into this with an elite shot creator and Jalen Brunson who's been battle-tested in the playoffs in his own right, and he should be able to take pressure off of Julius. As I said earlier, this Nick bench with Quickly, with Hart, with Hartenstein being able to play a little bit better, I think they will help their better bench than what the Knicks had in 2021 when they went to the playoffs. So he should fare better, but we just have to see how does he respond when the double teams are coming. We know that when he puts the ball on the floor, he's going to have a guy right behind him looking to force turnovers, looking to force Julius into bad decisions. So we'll have to see that. But nevertheless, I think with the improvement of talent on this team, it should take some pressure off of him uh, to allow him to just concentrate on his game. And hopefully that uh, that bodes well for the Knicks in the playoffs. It's about Jalen Brunson's health, too. Um, obviously, the three days off here should help. Um, I, I'm under the impression that that injury is, is not a significant one, but he'll need some rest. So maybe the three days help here and he gets back. Um, Alito, Julius Randle, better or worse this postseason than he was in 2021? I, I think he has to be better, no question. I think, you know, he has, like CP was saying, he has a guy not, like Jalen Brunson now, man in the ship for him. He doesn't have to do all the work. I honestly believe that RJ will have a better postseason as well. He will have help now, as opposed to that Hawk season, that Hawk series where it seemed like he had to do everything out there. And he was exhausted from being the Iron Man of the NBA, playing every game. I think uh, Julius Randle will will definitely have a better series, but I'm I'm still unsure to know if he will take us over the top. Right? It's going to require him to be on every given moment of this playoff series, especially if we're going up against a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, because Donovan Mitchell is going to come ready. Right? And you don't want to lose against. Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, even though a lot of folks have a problem with what Stephen A. Smith says, I hate the fact that he just says it every episode now, but I agree. I don't want to lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers and Donovan Mitchell. And we and it's going to take guys like Julius Randle to step up. And he's shown 
all season long that he will. I think to this, let's let let's hope this is the last mental breakdown for Julius Randle. I'll uh, say this. Oh, go ahead, Alita. No, I was just gonna say, but I'm but I'm also just a bit nervous. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the body of work this year, and and maybe I'm too close to it, but just the stuff that Randall has said all year, and I'm betting that he's gonna be better this postseason than he was in 21. Um, I think for all the reasons that you guys already mentioned. But the thing with that Cleveland series is, you know, the Knicks, this regime, the organization, Leon Rose, everybody on down, has built up some goodwill, uh, I think, over the past few months with the way they've played, obviously. And they've exceeded expectations. You go into the playoffs and you do not do well against Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell dominates the series. It's 4-1. It's non-competitive. I think you lose some of that goodwill uh, from from up top, and that's, that's just something they might have to deal with in this hypothetical situation because, you know, things were rocky early in the season. We talked a lot about how I think there were a few losses away from potential changes. They turn it around. Credit to everybody involved. They're playing well above, I think, anyone's expectations. But the, the tenor of the season changes if you don't have a competitive playoff series, I think, at least against yeah. the Cavaliers. And we're going to wrap it here, fellas. I want to know uh, Willis Reed rest in peace, his legacy and just memories of him, CP, where are you and Willis? Yeah, a titan for this Knicks organization, an icon for this Knicks organization, and, and a tremendous loss for the organization. It was unfortunate that we never got to see him play, but uh, the beauty of what we do is that uh, is that we're able to speak to fans who were able to, to, to see uh, Willis in his prime. I spoke to several fans who were there in Madison Square Garden on May 8th, 1970, when Willis Reed came out of the tunnel. And so to hear those stories, um, that's what the fandom is about because it's 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 multiple generations connecting on a common cause, which is uh, enjoying New York Knicks basketball. And so a tremendous loss, especially when, when you think about how he how much he accomplished under so much um, duress in terms of growing up in the segregated South and so much adversity, just trying to make it and just trying to live as a human being. This guy, he came up in a small town in Louisiana, went to an HBCU in Grambling State, was drafted in the second round and became one of the greatest centers of all time, one of the greatest players in, in NBA history. And so his legacy ought to be ought to be celebrated and cherished in the way that it is. There, there were some comments out there by, uh, you know, established media personalities who we won't name, who, who tried to downplay the significance of the Willis Reed walking out of the tunnel. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a, it's it's a matter of in, in these days, I think, uh, you know, being outlandish and being a buffoon kind of sells in social media. But I think the real ones know that Willis Reed was was his contributions. And that moment was was tremendous in not just New York sports history, but in sports history. And it's when you look at situations in sports now when players go down and they go to the locker room and they come back out we call that the Willis Reed moment so that should tell you how significant that moment was in sports because those situations go back to that one man and so like I said tremendous loss and uh you know we, we wish his family well. Ulito obviously you're around my age probably younger than me so you weren't around for him but just growing up as a Nick fan what did you hear about him growing up and, and what is this what does his legacy mean to you? Yeah, um he personified dog, man. He personified heart. 
uh, when you think of Willis Reed, you think of a guy who wasn't willing to take no for an answer, right? Whether it was against his own body or against, as CP spoke about, just growing up in a segregated America where he had to fight for everything that he got. You know, he, the fact that he didn't give up, right? You, and then even deeper than just what he gave to us on the court, you, anytime you hear anyone speak about him, it's always love, right? It's always grace. And it's, all, it's always leadership. And I think, if, you know, we lost a good one. We lost a good one. Very first name, number, and name lifted into the rafters. Um, hearing Clyde and, and, you know, Mike talk about him at, during the broadcast the other night, it almost brought tears to my eyes because you, you don't want to see your greats no longer be present on earth, right? And, we, you know, time is moving extremely fast and we're realizing that, like, guys are getting older. And I'm thinking, like, I'm how grateful are we to still have, like, a guy like Clyde still broadcasting for this team? I mean, when you think of just Willis Reed, you think of heart and soul. And, you know, he will be missed by many. But he, I think he'll live forever in these New York Knicks teams who are out there fighting and, you know, and, and trying to wear that New York on their chest proudly. And Willis Reed did that for sure. So we're, we're, we're definitely going to miss the captain. Yeah, well said. Um, yeah, he was the captain before Derek Jeter was the captain. I don't think this is a, a Knicks town the way it is without Willis Reed. goes without saying. Uh, certainly missed. And his legacy will live on in the garden and with the organization. That is it for us, guys, this week. But we will be back Tuesday at noon, another edition of the Putback Live. So join us then when we break it down where the Knicks are, where they're going, what's going on with the rest of the NBA. We will see you then.